0: Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, we were wondering when you were all going to show up. and I guess we found out. Holy cow. Well, we're so glad that uh, you guys chose to worship with us on this Christmas Eve. If uh, you're visiting with us, my name is Mike, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I know that many of you are very busy at this time of year. You're out maybe doing some last-minute Christmas shopping or you're baking or doing all those things that you need to do in order to go and be with family right now there's there's a word associated with christmas right family yeah i mean isn't that what all the advertisers are telling us that's all about getting together with family now for some of us for some of us family has warm connotations it conjures up you know Great feelings, you know, associated with maybe a lifetime of wonderful experiences that we've had with, with our family growing up. And we're actually looking forward to being with family. For others of us, not so much. Not so much, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and, and, and Christmas time is actually that time that, uh, that we kind of had to lean into those dynamics that we've been able to kind of conveniently ignore for the rest of the year, Right? As like like I like to tell people that, you know, Christmas time is actually the time to put the fun back in dysfunction. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, yeah, so my advice to people is, is if you find yourself in that second camp, just kind of roll with it. Have fun with it. You know, you, maybe you might want to give each other, you know, uh, theme-based Christmas gifts based on one another's issues. You know? Um, and because of... The Christmas season and the stress of the Christmas season, it's also a time for each one of us to kind of lean into our, our own issues. And I, I see this as a pastor. Uh, I I've actually just ran into an acquaintance of mine uh, not too long ago, you know, just this past week. And, and I was like, hey, good to see you again. You know, How are so, you and so-and-so doing? And she kind of gave me this, you know, this frustrated look. And like, uh you know, like, you know, I, I wanted to call you. We wanted to call you. Can we sit, come and sit down with you? And I'm like, sure, sure. Give me a call. I would love to sit down with the two of you and help you work through whatever it is you might be, be working out. Give me, give me a call. And so you see, as a, as a pastor, I kind of have this kind of privileged position. I kind of get a, a a kind of a front row seat of a lot of the pain and a lot of the drama and, and a, a lot of the, the, the problems that, that families and people are, are going through. And that's, that's kind of when I get called into the picture. People don't call their pastor when things are going well. <laughs> they call their pastor when they, when they need help. And uh, it's like me. Like I, like I don't call my doctor when everything's going well with me. Like, hey Dan, I know you're a busy guy but I just want to let you know that all functions are go, you know. Yeah, I'm just feeling great, you know. No, that's not what I do. I, I call Dan when, you know, something's not working right with my body. And in the same way, people call their pastor when things, it's not, things aren't working right in their body, when things aren't right in their soul or in their internal world or in their relational world. That's kind of when I get called in the picture. So I have this kind of, you know, unique vantage point where I get to view life from. And as I, as I was thinking about Christmas, I, I was thinking, you know, what is it that I have seen more recently, from my kind of privileged perspective, that I haven't seen so much in the past? What do I see that people are dealing with and wrestling with and, and going through that maybe not, I haven't seen so much maybe 10 years ago? And, and there is something, there is something that people seem to be be wrestling with uh, that they haven 't before so much, and that something is anxiety. Have any of you sensed this or experienced this that, that that in general people in our society seem to be wrestling with and dealing with a, a general level of anxiety that they haven't had to before and and i just uh, a few weeks ago i got together with a friend of mine who's a counselor he's a professional counselor to kind of bounce this idea off of him to see if my impressions uh were were accurate and he said yeah actually there is a a general uptick and trend of of reported anxiety in our society these days in fact on college campuses over the last five years there's been a reported 50 percent increase in reported anxiety than there was five years ago now some of that may have to do that with the second time they took the survey, it was during exam time, you know, and that kind of skewed the results. But, you know, no, but not only that, but not only that, but Time Magazine, Time Magazine, just last week after I decided to talk about anxiety, came up with this article about how our whole world deals with anxiety. And in this, in this Time Magazine article, it says that roughly a third of the planet, 2.6 billion people will deal with some level of anxiety in, in their life. For some people, it might just be a persistent, kind of consistent, kind of background nagging, you know, or fretfulness, but all the way to the paralysis of a full-blown panic attack. But all of it feels lousy, right? I mean, none of it feels good. And, and according to the article and, and my observations, many of us, many of us live with this kind of consistent, persistent darkness, almost as if the shadow of a looming presence is constantly with us and that the presence is our own anxiety. Which is interesting because when you, this idea of a shadowy looming presence is something that the very first announcement of the birth of Jesus addresses. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, there's this high priest and his name is Zechariah. And uh, he says this about the, the coming Messiah. He says this, uh, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And, and that phrase and in the shadow of darkness in the original language is, has a possible connotation of the shadow of a looming presence. Like something... That is constantly with us. Uh, foreboding of sorts. Almost like a general level of anxiety or anxiousness. Luke also talks about those living in darkness. Shine on those living in darkness. I would think that if you would to talk to someone and, and ask anyone who's dealing with a general level of anxiety, they might use that term to describe their experience. It's like, yes, I'm, I'm like living in a sense of Darkness. I have a friend, he's got a great job, he's got a lovely life, wonderful kids, uh, super home, and uh, and the guy is ripped. Like, he is built. He looks like he could be on one of the, in one of the Avengers in the mo- movie, you know, stuff like that. And you would think, this guy, he's got the world by a string. You know, he's got it all together. But in, as a matter of fact, the exact opposite is the case. That his working out is a coping mechanism for him to deal with this persistent, nagging, almost crippling anxiety that he lives with. And, and his, his coping mechanism is to pump iron. But you know what? It's not working. He still lives in the shadow of death with this looming presence of his own anxiety that's kind of looming over him. Uh, which is interesting because if you were to think about anxiety and you were to think of an antonym, an opposite of the word anxiety, what, what would be an antonym, an opposite of anxiety? What would be that word? Peace. That's right. Peace is the ex- exact opposite of anxiety. And it's actually peace is what this prophetic utterance that Zachariah it says, it says, is going to come to us. It says, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Yeah, peace. Something we desperately need today. His peace, And if you look closer at the nativity scene in the scriptures, the kind of the days and, and events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, you will find that this idea of peace is kind of a consistent theme that runs through the narratives of uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. You have this great scene out in, uh, in Luke chapter two, uh, and we're going to put the words up here on the screen. If you want to turn your Bibles, you can. I think it's on page 725, but in Luke chapter 2, you have this quintessential Christmas scene. It's this vintage Christmas scene where the shepherds are out in their fields at night, you know, and, uh, and they're taking care of, of their sheep, and, and all of a sudden an angel appears to them, you know, and the, the first thing the angel says to them, cause they teach you this in angel school, is don't be afraid, okay? Cause they're like, they're like, when you appear to them, they're gonna freak out, you know, they're gonna freak out, they've never seen an angel before, so you gotta tell them, so, you can just see the angel on the way to the shepherd saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, okay? And he shows up. You know, and and, uh, and so he says this in, in Luke chapter 2. We're going to just read these verses together, starting in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone around them. And they were terrified, because that's what you do when you see an angel. <laughs> but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, or Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, there's all sorts of things that we could look at on this, in this great passage, and I want to encourage you to go home, and if you do anything this Christmas, you know, get this passage out and read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. You know, that you, we could talk about why, why is there great joy in, in this celebration. What does it mean that a Savior has been born? What does it mean that, that the Messiah has arrived, this long-awaited anointed one? of god but what i want to focus on is is when the the whole battalion or brigade or or company of angels what what do you call a group of angels yeah i went to seminary i should know this you know a host oh yeah host of angels yeah (laughs) that's what it is a group so they they all they all go up and then and they say this this is their first glory to god in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests okay So, isn't that amazing? They all show up, and this is what they say God gets the glory. Okay, that's the first thing that God gets the glory. He's the one who's behind all of this, so He gets the credit. But what do we get? Peace. Peace to men on whom His favor rests. Perhaps, perhaps Christmas has less to do with giving and getting gifts and eating good food and getting together with family as, as good as all that might be, right? And as fun as that might be, perhaps it has more to do with God stepping into our story. The story of our brokenness, the story of us living in darkness, living in this constant company of a foreboding, shadowy presence of God stepping into the experience of our anxiety and replacing it, replacing it with something only He can give us. Peace. Real peace. Lasting peace. Abiding peace. Profound peace. Glory to God in the highest, the angel said. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Merry Christmas.
1: Good morning, everyone. And Merry Christmas again. We are so glad that you're choosing to spend part of your Christmas celebration with us. Um, In the Moran household, Christmas starts... Almost as soon as the Thanksgiving meal dishes are cleaned and put away. We go down to our basement and pull up our storage bins that hold our Christmas decorations. We put them up around our house. And we pull our tree out of its storage bin. And Mike and our youngest son Matthew put it together. String the lights up and put the ornaments on. And we look ahead to Christmas and do not look back. Now raise your hand... Um, If you also have an artificial tree in your family, all right, and the real tree lovers, raise your hands, please. Okay, so for you real tree lovers, I would imagine that the thought of pulling your Christmas tree out of a storage bin each year might make you cringe just a little bit. And I get it if you feel like that. In the Moran household, we used real Christmas trees for many years. And then one year, we just decided to buy an artificial tree. And that's the one we've used for 13 years. And we love it. And one of the benefits of having an artificial tree is, of course, we can leave it up as long as we want. Last year, we left it up until the end of February. And I think the kids and I would leave it up longer because it's so beautiful. Why take it down? But there's one Scrooge in the house who wants that tree down. We, of course, could not have left it up that long if we had had a real tree. Because a real tree is meant to be planted in the ground where it is alive and thriving, connected to water and nutrients, drawing up life from its source of life, right? connected to the source. And after they're harvested, even though real trees look and smell beautiful for a while, eventually they dry up and the needles fall off. Now, have you noticed my real Christmas tree up here that I bought? I love this little tree. I bought this last week, and when I bought it, the tree man told me that when I bring it inside, the needles will start to fall off. And now that I've brought it inside, no matter how carefully I might water this tree no matter how particularly I might take care of it, no matter how many beautiful lights I might string on it, or ornaments I put on it, the truth is, the reality is, this tree is going to eventually die. Because it's no longer connected. See? It's no longer connected to its source of life. And eventually, it's not going to live any longer. At the time when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God's people were very much like a real Christmas tree. They were cut off from their source of life. Zechariah, as Mike said, was a high priest in the nation of Israel. Now, the nation of Israel were God's special people, God's special possession, and he adored them. But they rejected him over and over and over. They basically said, no thanks, God, we got this. We're going to follow our own rules and do our own thing. We don't really want to follow how you hope or want us to live. And by this point in the story, this Christmas time, he'd been silent for 400 years. They were no longer connected to him, their source of life, their source of peace. And they were walking around in darkness, waiting and hoping for 400 years that he would come back and reconnect with them and save them. And then, from out of nowhere, one day this angel appears to Zechariah and says to him, you and your very old, very infertile wife are going to have a son, and you should name him John, and he's going to be the forerunner to the Savior that is coming. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah gives the prophecy that we'll look at again that Mike spoke of. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. He says to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Why does Zechariah use these words? Why would he use these words specifically? You see, Zachariah knew that the only way out of their darkness, the only way for them to find peace was to reconnect to God. And the angel was announcing to him that God was making a way for them to reconnect with him, their source of life, their source of peace. And Zachariah recognized, oh my gosh, this is what we've been waiting for. For 400 years, and he breaks out in his prophecy using almost the exact same language that the prophet Isaiah had used hundreds of years earlier, speaking to Israel about this time that would be coming. And he said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Then that same angel visits Joseph. Because Joseph was like, um, wait a minute, I did not sleep with my fiancé and she is pregnant what am I supposed to do now and this angel comes to him in a dream and says Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins the story goes on to say all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah look the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Amazing. Not only was God making a way to reconnect with them, but he himself was coming in the form of a baby. Emmanuel, God is with us. And Joseph and Mary knew God was breaking through. The rising sun was coming to them from heaven to shine on their darkness, to lead them back to Him, to reconcile them back to Himself. They no longer had to live in darkness and fear, cut off from Him. Perhaps the gnawing anxiety that so many of us our experiencing these days has to do with the fact that we too are like the people of Israel. We're cut off from the source of life. Alexander McLaren, a Bible expositor, says this of Zachariah's prophecy, Christ brings you and me the reconciliation which puts us at peace with God, which is the foundation of all other tranquility. Christ brings you and me the reconciliation which puts us at peace with God, which is the foundation of all other tranquility. This baby that was coming was going to reconcile them back to God, which is the foundation of all other peace in their lives and in our lives as well. Why don't we have peace in our hearts? Why do we struggle with fear? Why do we feel the shadow of a looming presence of anxiety? Why do we wake up with our hearts racing, our minds spinning? Perhaps we too are cut off. Perhaps it's because this reconciliation piece is missing in our lives. And if the reconciliation piece with God is missing then we do not have peace with God, and we have no foundation for tranquility or peace in our lives. And we, too, become just like this tree. We do all sorts of things. We look in all sorts of places to try and escape the looming presence of fear and anxiety and panic. And we try and we try to take this disconnected cut off life and connect it to something and find peace we try to find it in our careers in maybe building a bigger house in maybe our relationships perhaps on social media in trying to get as fit as we possibly can some of us look for it in addiction but no matter what we do no matter how much we water and decorate these lives. The fact remains we're still cut off. We are cut off from our source of life, who's our source of peace. And while we might be aware that God is out there somewhere, we're not connected to Him. How can this tree that has been cut off from its source of life live? It can't. How can we, when we've been cut off from our source of peace, find peace? We can't. Looking for it in other places just doesn't work. We were meant to be connected to our source, to Him. If you are here today and you are living in deep darkness if you feel like you're living in the shadow of a looming presence of of anxiety, if you are plagued by thoughts like, will they like me? Am I making enough money? What will I do after high school? Will anyone ever really love me? I have great news for you today. Great news that was announced 2,000 years ago to a group of shepherds. Because of his tender mercy, God has made a way for you to be reconciled, to be connected to himself, the source of life, the source of peace, and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. You see, Christmas is not about a cute baby in a manger who grows up to be a random nice man. Christmas is about God, the almighty, all-powerful God, breaking into our story, coming to be Emmanuel. God is with us doing what we cannot do on our own, coming to be Jesus to save us from our sins. He's the rising sun coming to us from heaven to lead us back to him and to the path of peace. Would you please pray with me? Father, I thank you. I am so grateful that no matter how much we turn away from you, no matter how much we reject you, no matter how much we say, I got this, I don't need you, you never stop pursuing us. You never stop offering a way to reconnect with us. You never stop trying to draw us, drawing us to yourself, to connect us to you, our source of life and our source of peace. I pray for each one of us, Father, as we head into these Christmas celebrations that we will remember that today. That when we are feeling anxious, when we're feeling fearful, that we will remember that you're the source of peace and you want to connect with us. I lift these things up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.